Now I invite you to please pray with me. Lord God, take my words this morning and speak through them. Take our hearts this morning and speak to them. Holy Spirit, bring conviction to our hearts through your word and initiate healing and transformation in our lives. All this for the glory of your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Today I'm going to have three points in my sermon as we discuss the scriptures. Redemption, groaning, and faith. Redemption truly is the topic that's before us this morning. Now, what is redemption? Redemption can be defined as the action of saving or being saved from error. You may have immediately thought of a coupon. I'm redeeming my coupon. I'm getting something for this. I'm redeeming the cash. But the first definition is the act of saving or the act of atoning for a fault or a mistake, redemption. It, by its nature, redemption, is preceded by difficulty, pain, and trouble. Without pain or trouble, there's no reason to be redeemed as we're looking at redemption. To be redeemed, one must first be in a situation from which they need to be rescued. And when one is rescued, they are certainly aware that they have been redeemed. They're aware that they're now free, and they certainly are impacted by their redemption. I've experienced feelings of redemption on a very small scale when driving, perhaps a little too fast, and you see the police lights behind your car, and I know I'm guilty. My pulse races until the car drives past me and he's going after somebody else. I'm immediately redeemed. I experience redemption. I was guilty and caught, and now I'm redeemed as he chooses to go after someone else. Instant redemption. And I vow to drive slower after those moments to honor my redemption and to avoid that situation again. Now, of course, that's a very simple base-level example of redemption. Think about Nelson Mandela. There's a name from recent history. He was jailed for 27 years for his opposition to the racist apartheid regime in South Africa until he was released in prison in 1990. So from 1962 to 1990, He was 44 when he entered prison. He was 71 when he exited prison. Do you think he was impacted by his redemption as he was released? Do you think he ever forgot it? Recently, two weeks ago, you may have seen this on the news, a grandmother who was pardoned by President Trump, she was released from prison after serving 22 years for a nonviolent drug conviction. She was pardoned. And in the video that went viral, She runs across the street, and her family, children and grandchildren, are running across. She's been separated for 22 years. The joy, the tears, the embracing. Every microphone, her thanking President Trump, who provided her redemption. Do you think she'll ever forget who redeemed her? She'll ever forget her redemption. Psalm 107 places redemption front and center for us, so I invite you to turn to page 506. Psalm 107. 
There were a couple refrains we read as we walked through the psalm at the beginning of the service, and it wasn't because I wanted them repeated. It's because the psalmist had us repeat them. But those of you who have your Bibles open to page 506, let's read verse 1 together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. It begins with the declaration of giving thanks to the Lord. Who is to give thanks? Look at verse 2. Who is to give thanks? The redeemed. Those who have been redeemed, those who have experienced God's goodness and redemption are commanded to give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. As we look at redemption, I have a question for you this morning. Have you experienced God's redemption? Are you redeemed? Because without redemption, one is outside of God's family, outside of God's steadfast love, outside of God's redeeming power and grace and mercy. Without redemption, good and bad in life are just chance. You're not sure why. When you're redeemed, you know where your provision comes from. With redemption, one has received the greatest gift from God, deliverance, steadfast love. And with redemption, you are always aware of who has redeemed you. This Psalm 107 puts four different scenes of redemption before us, and we're going to look at each one. Each scene depicts trouble caused by a human decision, and it depicts redemption by God's hand alone. Look at verse 4. This is scene 1. Some wandered in desert desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Some were lost, this verse tells us. They were wandering. They were hopeless until they cried out to God, verse 6. They were wandering until verse 6. We're going to hear this again and again. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. Literally, God snatched them out of trouble. God redeemed them. They chose to wander. They cried out, God redeemed. Then we come to verse 8, which is the refrain. Let's read this together. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. What is that redemption? Verse 9. Not just that He gave them good directions or found them. Verse 9, He satisfies the longing soul. The hungry he fills with good things. This is substantial redemption of heart and soul. So now we come to scene 2, verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. Why are they sitting there in darkness? Well, verse 11, for they rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. They are sitting in darkness because of their choice to reject God until they cry out. Verse 13. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and He delivered them from their distress. It's the same as verse 6. Then they cried out and He delivered them. They had no hope 
And he delivered them from the darkness and the shadow of death that they were under because of their decision. God redeemed. Verse 15 is our refrain. Let's read it together. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Those who are redeemed give thanks to their Redeemer. We come to scene three, verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. Because of their foolish choices, they're suffering affliction. The Hebrew word literally meaning they're depressed, they're downcast, they're humbled, they're humiliated, they're suffering. So much so in verse 18, it says they loathe food and they draw near to death. They're hopeless because of their decisions until they cry out. Verse 19, third time we've heard this. Let's read verse 19 together. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. God heals them of their self-imposed affliction. He delivers them from their destruction. God responds and redeems them as they cry out. And then we come to verse 21. Here's our refrain together. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man. They know who has redeemed them. Our fourth scene, verse 23. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business in the great waters. They're going out to do business. They're going out into the marketplace. In verse 24, we read, they saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. They're going to do business. They feel good. They see God's presence, what God's doing. But then the winds change. The winds whip up, the waves rise. They become afraid. The ocean, the marketplace shifts. The storm rages, and they've lost hope. Now, this this scene seems a little different because in the first three scenes, we had choosing to be lost, choosing to rebel, choosing their foolish ways. This is choosing to go out in business. Well, they've gone out to do business. They marvel at God's works, but then... They forget God's presence as things change. They forget who their Redeemer is, who their Lord is, and they have fear. They lose hope. It says they're in terror in verse 27. They're at their wit's end. Literally, they're without wisdom anymore inside themselves. They can't figure out their problems. They can't solve it. They're without hope until they cry out. Verse 28 Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. The psalmist deliberately keeps repeating this. God redeems them as they cry out. And it brings us to our refrain, which the psalmist wants us to know who did the redeeming. Verse 31, let's read that together. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. They know that he is Lord, and they worship him. Did those who redeemed know who redeemed them? Yes, of course they did. Each redemption followed by a refrain of praise and thanksgiving. Four different scenes of redemption, and each one depicted as redemption from human decisions and choices. Human decisions that led to hopelessness, 
And as they cried out to the only true Redeemer, we read redemption by God's hand alone. Redemption of heart, redemption of soul, redemption from death. Redemption into hope. What happens when tragedy strikes, though? Not directly caused by human decisions. What happens when there's pain and suffering, humiliation, sickness, not caused by the decisions of those who are suffering? Cancer out of nowhere. A car accident out of nowhere. What happens? Well, we cry out, this is not fair, God. We groan. And rightfully so, we groan. Scott preached last week pointing out that groaning was one of the favorite words of God's people. They groaned. So we've talked about redemption. Now let's talk about groaning. God's people groaned when they suffered. They groaned when they did not get what they wanted. They groaned when they suffered. And in the same way, we all groan. On a base level, when you sudden, suddenly you're driving and you see in Jacksonville the perennial Sea of red lights in front of you. No one moving anywhere. What do you do in your car? Ugh. You groan. When your appliance dies. Ugh. You groan. Groaning, by its nature, is not positive. Congratulations. You're engaged. Ugh. No, it doesn't go that way. Groaning's negative. It's a response to comfort. Or it's a response to discomfort and inconvenience, groaning is. To pain, frustration. To physical, emotional, and spiritual pain, we groan. We groan before God when we don't get what we want. When our prayers aren't answered in the way we want. When we don't receive the result we expect. Or simply when we experience discomfort and healing. We groan. You may have seen me at the opening hymn I went and stood beside Kim for a second to greet her. We've been groaning under uh, automobiles that are not functioning the way we would like them to function. Back and forth, back and forth to the auto mechanic. We don't know, does the light that turned on mean the car's gonna die or that we're okay? Well, let's try it. She had one of those experiences this morning. Did you groan? There was much groaning. We all groan. And we just read God's answer to Job's groaning. Now, Job had lost everything. Children, possessions, his health. And he did groan. God, why are you doing this? And in Job 38, we read God declaring to Job, I am God. Not, not yet to there. God declared, I am God. You can trust me. I'm the one that created all things. Where were you when I put the seas in their place? I am God. You can trust me in all things. Now, Job wasn't hopeless. He did have faith in God. And we see that in the verse that is now on the screen. Where Job's wife says to him, after he's lost everything, do you still hold fast to your integrity, Job? Curse God and die. But Job says, you speak as one of the foolish women who would speak, as the, one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not also receive evil? Well, that's a tough one. 
Now, the Hebrew word translated evil there, ra, literally means bad. It means adversity. And in the Hebrew's plight, bad and adversity closely was tied to evil. Now, as we understand evil, yes, bad and adversity is sometimes connected to evil, but sometimes bad and adversity just happen as a result of the broken world that we live in. It's not always connected to evil. So think about that verse. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not also receive bad? Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not also receive adversity? I just finished a great book that I read the beginning of the summer. It's Eric Metaxas' book, Miracles. I highly recommend it. Great summer reading, great reading, period. Eric addresses this directly, the author. He says, we cannot truly thank God for the good things unless we also thank him for the bad things. He goes on to write, if we trust the God we know from the Hebrew Bible, then we know that he means well towards us at all times and in every conceivable way. So it follows that we actually can trust him with everything, including our failures and our difficulties. It's actually the God who loves us beyond anything we can imagine. Even the bad things can ultimately be a blessing. If he is actually the God who loves us beyond anything, then even the bad things can be a blessing. And that connects with what Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. We've talked about redemption. We've talked about groaning. Now let's talk about faith. These things can only be understood through faith in God. And this is hard to grasp. It takes great faith in God to have faith like Job to accept from him both good and bad, both success and adversity. Without faith, I believe it's impossible <clears throat> to truly understand this mystery of God working all things for the good of those who love him. And I would change that a little bit to those who have been redeemed by him, who have accepted and received his redemption. God works all things for good. Because redemption by God is the foundation of all faith. Without a true redemption, there can be no faith. Only a weak faith. A human-based faith. Apart from God's redemption, faith is weak and disappearing, as it was for the disciples in the storm. They had an early faith in Jesus. They had seen him do amazing things, God's power. They had heard him say that he is God's son. And they're in the boat with him, and Jesus is wiped out and asleep. And as the storm whips up, kind of like what we read in Job, the storm whips up, the disciples are terrified. They wake up Jesus. And he first calms the storm. They cried out to him, and he calmed the storm. And then he said to them, how is it that you have no faith? He says to them, where is your faith? Their faith as at that point, was not firmly grounded in his identity as Messiah and Savior. It was a weak faith.
Redemption by God is the foundation of all faith. So as you consider, where's my faith? I return to my first question, are you redeemed? Have you been redeemed? And putting it in line with God's gift, Jesus died for all. The gift of redemption is for all, but it's a gift that must be received. So have you received God's redemption for you? Jesus Christ is God's redemption for sin for the whole world. Redemption from the consequences of sin. Redemption which will rescue you from darkness, which will give you hope, which will give you hope no matter what happens in life. It will give you hope when you're sorrowful, when you're isolated, when you're full of shame, when you're hopeless. Kim and I have been working hard with our car We know God is with us, even though we are so frustrated with this car. And we grit our teeth and say, God is faithful. (laughs) As we groan. But God's redemption carries us through life. When it's like that. Jesus died for all. God's redemption for the world. But you must first humble yourself before Jesus, acknowledge your sin before God, acknowledge Jesus as Messiah to receive his full redemption. If you have not yet received God's redemption, I pray today you will. Whether now or whether when during our communion that you will bow your knee and entrust him with your life. Turn to him as Messiah and Savior, because he is the only one that redeems. If today you know you're redeemed, but you feel like you're in the midst of one of those four scenes from Psalm 107, where you feel hopeless, you feel in darkness, you feel isolated, you feel depressed, follow the example there. Cry out to God, the one who redeems. Remember, redemption comes from him, and it's the foundation of your faith. Redemption into new life in Christ, no matter what the circumstances, that will give you hope through trial, pain, or suffering. And it will be a light to those around you. As we're struggling with this stupid car, I keep thinking, is this because God wants me in front of my mechanic? I don't want to see my mechanic again for a long time. I like him. But what, God, what are you doing here? Can I pay attention to this? Redemption is the foundation of faith. I close with Paul's words from our reading this morning. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he and she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you have received God's redemption, if you have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, you are a new creation with a new foundation that will sustain true faith and that will give you hope no matter what. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.